Hey everyone, this is Kelsey Jo Hillis, photographer, entrepreneur, wife, mom, and recovering people pleaser. This is my podcast, Picturing Purpose, where I have transparent and meaningful conversations with people from all different walks of life. My hope with this podcast is that you find encouragement, lean on faith, and trust God's purpose for your life. So with that in mind, let's jump into this week's episode of Picturing Purpose. Hello, welcome to part two of Real Conversations with Cody and Matt. I hope you enjoyed part one and are eager to hear part two. This part of the conversation gets a little deeper with tons more science and theory talk. Just so you aren't confused, I added two different recordings of myself, including scripture during the first half to back up a couple of my statements. I normally would not do this since I encourage organic conversations, but since this deals with salvation, I wanted to make sure I was scripturally sound. Sometimes in the middle of conversations, it can be difficult to quote scripture, and I'm the worst at memorizing. One more thing before I play part two. I am currently holding a giveaway on Facebook and Instagram for a $250 prize. The winner will be announced on March 1st, and the rules are super easy. This giveaway is helping the podcast gain more five-star reviews on Apple, so please consider entering. You can find this information on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search Picturing Purpose Podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Did you accept it or did you not accept it? Because if we go to a store, if if I, if you go to the gas station or whatever, mm-hmm. I walk in and I say, hey, pay for, we, I'm, I'm going to pay for that man's gas. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, okay, and then, so they, I pay it. If you walk in there and they say that it's paid, but you don't believe it, mm-hmm. then you're going to have to pay it again. You're going to have to, somehow you're going to have to pay it. So it really stems even there, do you believe that I made the payment that you were required to make? And if you do believe that I made the payment, then you can walk out of there with no problem. But if you don't believe it, then you're, no matter what people say and what anyone tells you, now you are going to have to make a payment that you're not even required to make. But because you didn't believe what you were told, you now are making a payment that you were, was not actually meant for you. And that's the truth of salvation, in my opinion, is that the payment of the punishment of the law was never meant for man to carry. Mm. That's good. Hmm. <laughs> In my opinion, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Gotta let it stew for a bit. <laughs> so, okay, so my, I guess my, where my brain is going. Yeah is if the key to salvation is reliant on believing and accepting yeah. those premises, mm-hmm. is it possible that people are going to not gain entry to heaven because they haven't connected the dots, either not for like a sincere, like, mm. not like a lack of... I know where you're going with that. Yeah. just like... What about people? Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna like disbelieve in spite or something. Like you know people I mean? in a faraway village that have never heard about Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Or like in my case, like I'm I'm hearing like these cases and there's like like I'm seeing holes and flaws that I sometimes I can articulate, sometimes I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, will I be if I if I die without coming to the belief that that is true and that mm-hmm. I truly accept it? Am I going to be in hell? Or 
there's different philosophies about hell, like annihil- yeah. annihilationism. I just simply cease to exist. Other people continue to exist in heaven. Like, is that my reality? It's not coming to a conclusion based on my, I guess, sincere value of what's true and how to determine what's true mm-hmm. and trying to follow that process. So it, there's two questions in there, right? We yeah. talk about hell, but we also talk about a person who sincerely is asking questions mm-hmm. and then gets into a car accident. Where are they? Yeah. Okay. Or what about people who never get a chance to hear? Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me address the second one first. The okay. people who, and and this one, I'm going to tell it's you that a touchy one. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, and this is my part. This is my belief. I, I believe that this is what the Bible says. But I've seen certain things that I, I believe that this is true. <clears throat> I believe that there is not a person on earth that will go to hell without having had every available mm-hmm. opportunity and have willfully made the decision. And let me give you an example from that so that it's not just me making some fantastic statement. Mm-hmm. I have a friend. He's He's been like a mentor to me. And he's he's been all over the world. Has these amazing stories of preaching the gospel in some of these remarkable places. Been in the bush of Africa. In fact, I went to Africa with him uh, and my wife. Um, and he's been preaching in parliaments and all sorts of things. Been all over. Mm-hmm. He came to a situation once where he was in a tribe um, out in it was some it was an Asian country, and um, their mission team went out there and they were going to a place where they had never quote you know no one had ever heard the gospel before. Mm-hmm. Is it was an unreached people group. Mm-hmm. They get out there, not sure what's going to happen. Um, and they go to this tribe, and the, the leader of the tribe says, he comes up to him, and they have an interpreter, and he says, what is the name of God's son? And he's like, uh. And he said, they had a prophecy within their tribe that one day this group would come there and tell them the name of the son of God. And, it's long, and, and so up to that point, they had just believed in the son of God based off what God had told them. Which they believe to the extent Romans one is what deals with a lot of these kind of things that that the the natural attributes of the world will will lead a person to a conclusion um, of of there being a God. What you see in the world must lead you to that conclusion in some way is what Romans one is all about. <clears throat> so he what he says in Romans one talking about God that there would be no excuse to a person. Who has died um, and did not believe in the Lord? Um, you're also seeing situations, and these are, you know, take it or, take it for what it's worth. I'm I'm just telling you what I what I'm what I've read um, in articles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That um, in Iraq right now, which is one of the fastest growing churches in the world, mm-hmm. um, there is, and I, I'll probably butcher this number, but it's a significant number. It's somewhere in the ballpark of like twenty to thirty percent of converts are talking about being converted to Christianity by the by Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. They're claiming to literally have visions and dreams of yes. Jesus leading them to him. I've seen this too. It's amazing. Um, and we're seeing this all over the world. Um, so 
I don't believe personally that there will be a single person who will not um, have had an opportunity in some way. Um, and, and I don't think it'll be a subtle thing. I don't think it's going to be something where it's like, well, remember, you know, you flipped over in the page and there was come to church and you kept going and that was your chance. It, it, people will willfully choose it. Um, and it sounds absurd, but I can tell you from my own testimony that um, I, I believe that God will reach a, a person however they need to be reached. Now, when it comes to hell, um, does a person who does not believe in Jesus... And, and does not accept him, go to hell? Yes, that's the, cl the clear answer. Um, it's not always the one everyone wants to say or hear, but it is the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about what hell is. Hell is the uh, complete absence of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. So no one on earth has ever felt what it's like to not have the presence of God to that extent. So when right. we talk about torment... We're talking about a place of darkness because God is light. So there can't be any light. It can't be, it can't be in hell that there's a piece of God uh, of, of, you know, it, it's all dark, but there's this little bit of light. No, there can't be any light. Otherwise, that can't be, it has to be complete darkness. Um, and, and here's one. Now, <clears throat> this is my, again, I'm going to just set this uh, uh, caveat up that this is, more my own personal think, thought mm -hmm. process based off my studying. I think that a person, and, and follow me through with this thought process, I believe that maybe it, that in hell a person can repent and go to heaven, but in order to repent there needs to be the presence of God. And with no presence of God, no person will come to repentance. So is hell a sealed off place that says you're never going to cross it is but not for the reason we think not god saying close the door you're locked because i hate you it is more of you if you don't want my presence despite everything I've, I've said then i will not bother you with my presence but this is the absence of my presence it's the same thing we would say that that being a good father um if your kid uh turns 18 and they say i don't want to be around you anymore, maybe you've done everything right. And your kid says, I don't want to be around you anymore. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. Well, if you were to chain that child up into your home, we would call that illegal, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And we would say that's evil. What the good thing to do as a good father would be to say, okay, if you don't want my presence, I won't be near you. I won't, I won't do that. Know that I would always want that, but I won't. I won't be there. So you can't, if you say, I don't want to be near my father, and then you get into a financial bind, and you get into, you know, trouble, and you have no relationship, you don't even know your father's phone number anymore, mm -hmm. you can't blame your father for not paying for your financial trouble because you didn't want your father's presence. Mm -hmm. And the same thing goes in hell, is that, is God saying, seal the door, and even if you're begging me to to leave hell, I'm not going to open the door because I'm done with you. No, it's more, um, okay, but there is no repentance outside of his presence. It says all men come to the knowledge of God through, through the presence mm -hmm. of God. So, um, so you wouldn't repent 
It's not people in hell begging to come to the Lord. They are tormented, but it's not people begging to come to the Lord because begging to come to the Lord would be repentance. Mm -hmm. They hate God and they want nothing to do with him, even in hell. Um, because God is love, God is light. Um, all of these things are completely 100% absent in hell. Okay. So people are choosing to be away from his presence. And um, anyways, that's my personal belief on it. Okay. Can I ask a question that I guess yeah. plays on that a little bit? Please. Let's say I die. Okay. I find myself, I don't know if I'll be like directly in front of God, like, Mm -hmm. Let's have a chat before We've never died, so we don't know exactly yeah. what yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> no one can say what's going to happen. So let's say I die. I find out that my consciousness is still occurring. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and let's let's say, I guess hypothetically, that I'm, I can get the answers to my questions and I can, I guess, communicate with God one-on-one -on -one in a way that I know is verifiable and is occurring to the best of my ability anyway. Mm -hmm. um, would I be able to change my mind at that point? Because in my mind, if we live in a finite time span with finite resources, can I ever really come to a fully informed decision about it? If there's pieces missing, lost to history, that type of thing. And I guess that's excluding the assumption that God is going to give you all those resources mm -hmm. in the first place. I guess in that situation where those mechanisms aren't possible, would I be able to say, okay, yeah. <laughs> now I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now I understand, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, what, what do I, you think about that, I guess, I, proposition? I think, um, and, the, and like he's been saying, this is my own personal opinion, mm -hmm. um, I think that God is a lot more merciful than we like to give him credit for. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to say that I believe that, you know, he's going to give the option of, hey, like, you didn't believe in me your whole life, so here's your, you know. Yeah. I can't say that. I would hope, I would hope at the end of it that he would give you a choice. Mm -hmm. But I've never died, so I don't know that. Now, scripture does say, whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I think what would happen is you would say, okay, God, like, I, I, I see you, I believe you now, like, and I think God would say, why did it have to take dying to believe when I've been pursuing you your whole life? I well, think that it would be, usually when you ask God a question, he answers with a question. <laughs> like, well, why... Why does it have to be fully shown in front of you? Because mm -hmm. to be honest, we could sit here and talk in circles for 80 yeah. hours if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, but nothing is going to ultimately make you believe in something mm -hmm. until you encounter him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I fully believe that. And I'm not saying that you've never tried. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Definitely. but that's just what I wanted to say about, uh, about mercy is that I'd hope that if someone lived their whole life, you know, just just really struggling with the concept of it mm -hmm. that he would say, you know, here, cause I'm, I mean, I've researched like near death experiences and I don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever looked into that, but mm -hmm. um, usually all the stories are very similar to each other where the one, like I'm, I'm saying woman, because I read a recently just watched a story on that is that usually it's of course in like a hospital where they're like in the middle of surgery or something and they die and 
um, and come back to life. But in the in the midst of their near death experience, they're always above their body, mm-hmm. um, and they're looking at their body in the in in on Earth. But they feel like they're in a different realm, and they don't they don't feel pain, they don't feel confusion. Like it's just kind of like, whoa, you know, like mm-hmm. this is all this. But they can still see everything, mm-hmm. and that there's always like a light that they're looking at, mm-hmm. and it's a light that they just really want to go into and it's hard for them not to go into that into that light mm-hmm. my argument is always if there are so many stories that are similar like this there's got to be something so like if i were not to be a christian say say i just decided to not believe in jesus mm-hmm. i would at least believe in something right for, because of the spiritual part of it Kind of like when your your first podcast where we got into like your super when I thought it was a supernatural experience, yeah. Yeah. like there's a lot of people that I know that they're very indifferent with God, but they've seen evil in their face. Like um, I personally know a girl that had really really struggled with some evil stuff, and it just makes me wonder like if you've seen this if you've seen the spiritual side of evil. Yeah. Why do you not believe in the spiritual side of good? True. Um, and that, I don't know. I, that's why I'm such a spiritual person is because we really are. Like, I actually had a guest on the show this morning that wrote a book, and she had a near-death experience. Um, and she was talking about how on earth we're always thinking, heaven is so far up up there, God's up there, you know, above space and, and everything. But really, he's closer than we think. Like it's, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of that movie. It's a really cool movie where he's like in a different di, uh, dimension and he's reaching through. It's I always think about that where like we don't see it. Do you is know it, what? I'm, is it Interstellar? Yes. Oh, yeah. that is such a good movie. I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's a good one. It's good. Um, I like. I like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, he's hot too, so. It's not why I watch it, but yeah. Right, right, right. But I love movies like that. I like space movies too, but. Yeah, that one's, it's um, a good one. But anyway, and the crazy thing about her story, she was a Christian at the time when it happened, but she wasn't, um, as you say, on fire Christian where she was like constantly you know, trying to uh, lead people to Jesus or mm-hmm. anything of that sort. She wasn't the type of person to just go up to someone and be like, do you want to get saved? Like, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Um, but when she was above her body um, and when she was just not, she was in a different realm, all she was trying to do, because uh, she was coherent at that time, like while she she got in a motorcycle wreck, she was trying to save everybody. Hmm. She, it was this weird thing where she she was like, "Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus?" And she was asking all she was asking all the EMTs, the paramedics, the people on the um, the ambulance. She was and then when she got to the hospital, her doctor actually joked with her after all her surgeries and stuff, and was like, "You were trying to save the whole hospital." Yeah. <laughs> and those are just things that make me think. And you know, you don't have to believe her story, mm-hmm. you know, because she. I think it's always good to be skeptical of any story. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believed her because I sat and talked with her for an hour and I could, <laughs> I judged that she was a sane person that, you know, really experienced that. Mm-hmm. It's just certain things like that to me. And I'm probably just rambling. No, but it's good. Those are just situations that make me think 
even if I didn't believe in the Bible, um, because I do, I, it caused I, you to pause. I would at least believe in something. Sure. Uh, other other than this. Yeah. Like right now. There was yes. there was something you said that I'd, I'd like to respond to. Okay. Um, you're saying that. No, no, you're fine. Like in the situation where like. I'm in heaven and God's talking to me and he's like, why did it take so long? Mm. That type of thing. Mm -hmm. I knew you were going to go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I don't know. It's hard to talk about my understanding of Mm -hmm. what God would be. Right. Sure. Right. If he were real or like what y'all's understanding of God would be, because you might have a different understanding of who he is than you might have in your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, I guess, all the attra- attributes that are commonly attributed to him, like he's all-knowing, he created me before I came to Earth type thing, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he would know me better than I know myself. True. In a way. Um, like he would know why I'm so hyper-analytical about things. He would know why I value truth in the way like evidence is mm-hmm. like presented in like my thought process when evaluating that evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the conclusion I come to is like, he would know, I guess if he wanted to communicate with me, he would know kind of the best way to send those type of messages mm-hmm. to me, to give me those evidences to interact with me in some way that I might not. Miss. So you don't find it, Odd, odd enough that you're on a podcast with two people that believe in God talking to you constructively. No, I... You don't think that this could possibly have been a, something that he's sending you to because he is noticing that you're asking a lot of questions and he's delivering you, he's like putting you in a situation to learn more? Yeah. Well, okay, let's, let's, let's grant that, that that's like a method that he's trying to communicate with me. Okay. I am... I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time of just, like, would that be a post hoc rationalization of what's occurring? And the, by post hoc, I mean after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you observe a situation and you think, mm-hmm. oh, well, it could be this, but I have no way of linking that to this situation at this yeah. time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Other than, I guess, a wishful thinking or, like, if I'm, like, trying to consider all the options, is it more of God trying to communicate with me or is it more of my inherent interest in people's religious philosophies and why they believe the things they do and how they come to believe and why my favorite verse in the Bible is first Peter three fifteen. <laughs> um it yeah, is I don't know. I feel like if I have to interpret it that way, mm-hmm. I need to have I guess a better reason to interpret it that way is what I'm saying. It needs to be real to you in the moment. Well, it because like granted, there could be different situations where like maybe I come on this podcast next time mm-hmm. and like I feel something, like I really feel something. Mm-hmm. Is that more of me just being connected in the moment, really absorbing information, or is it like how do what? How would I connect that to? God being the cause as opposed to a different cause right. or just my brain chemistry at that moment. I would think that 
over time, God would be using this and possibly other people that we don't know about, you know, mm-hmm. that you talk to on like maybe at work or, you know, yeah. that he would slowly be chipping away the wall around your heart in, a, mm-hmm. in an analogy. And I'm actually reading Ezekiel right now. And there's a prophecy that says God will give us a new heart and a new spirit. He will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Like I've said a million times, if you believe in God, you also have to believe in the devil. And in the Bible, it says that the uh, that the devil is a liar. He's deceitful. He um, he puts blinders in front of your eyes. He he mm-hmm. puts doubt into your mind. That's the biggest one. Is mm-hmm. I, actually uh, I, I read a, a C.S. Lewis book that was talked about pride. That mm-hmm. you know we all highlight all of these sins in the Bible. We highlight you know um, lust, mm-hmm. drunkenness. You know, all the all yeah. the regular sins, but <laughs> right. if you really want to get down to the ultimate sin, it's pride. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and that's that was the first ultimate sin in the entire beginning of the universe was, hey, Eve, you want to have the power that God has? You want to have that pride? You sure. know? And I, I feel like that kind of ultimately <laughs> leads into why the devil uses certain things in order to make your doubt so strong because you are so smart and because you are so, yeah, I'm complimenting you here, Cody. (laughs) You are very smart. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. (laughs) You are smart. But I also believe (laughs) we're all, we're we're actually all really dumb. If you (laughs) get honest, (laughs) Um, where was I going with that? Cody's smart. (laughs) (laughs) I also think that there comes a, and please don't take this wrong, but I think sometimes people can become too smart. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard heard of like fool's gold? I've, the the thing that comes to my mind is a, have you ever heard of H.P. Lovecraft? Mm Mm-mm. Oh, he's a, a, like a science fiction, like horror Uh writer. Um, There's a book where like... (laughs) It's called the Eldritch Horror, where mm-hmm. like people who become or learn things that they're not supposed to learn, like basically go mad type of thing. So yes. more knowledge comes more, yes. Um, I guess destructive type stuff. Right, right, and and maybe I'm not explaining it that right because I don't think it's wrong to be too smart. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. who's to say that you know you? But you could definitely like misappropriate your intelligence, right? And you could yeah. def, and I think you could definitely go above something then you need to, and it could drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's going to come a point where you're so filled with doubt that you just... And you, be, but because you are seeking answers, mm-hmm. I think it's eventually just going to really... I'm not saying you're going to have to like go to a, um, <laughs> a, a, a psychiatric home or anything, right. but yeah. like that you're eventually just going to um, go mad about it. It's because you are so smart and you're very analytical. You want to know, and, and that's probably your science background of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, working in a lab and all that. But, and my answer would be that I think through time, he is just trying to break down walls and, and make you see things that you're not seeing clearly. Mm-hmm. I think that ultimately is really is the thing of, of non-believers, in my opinion, is that they are just not seeing what God wants them to see. Mm-hmm. 
And over time that happens, even for someone like me that never really uh, didn't believe in God. I mean, I had, I've, I've had struggles of doubt in times of relearning my faith through not what people have taught me, but through what I've learned on my own, my own personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. The devil will use as much confusion and doubt as he possibly can so that you don't believe and that you don't start unveiling things because even through my, this is what I was going to get to, (laughs) thank you, (laughs) that when I discovered my relationship with God, he was chipping away things in me that I didn't even know I had built up. Like Mm -hmm. there, he was showing me things that I wouldn't necessarily would have thought were bad things about me, Mm -hmm. Um, like arrogance, pride, even like weak things like passiveness, uh, allowing people to walk on me, mm-hmm. things like that, where I never really saw it clearly until I committed my life to him and learned his word and, and had a connection and a, a prayer life with him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I did that when he really started to deliberately show me things not that he wasn't going to show me things Mm -hmm. without doing that but it wasn't until then that I discovered that his realness to me Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah yeah okay I guess like with the idea that like if Satan's real and he's obscuring those messages to me Mm -hmm. and somehow um and let's say I never like get those messages as intended um, <laughs> Who's to blame? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if like in that situation where I'm like, okay, if I die and I have the opportunity to talk to God, can I be like? Because the first thing <laughs> I would want to know is like, what went wrong with my reasoning process? Why? How come I didn't come to the truth? Mm-hmm. Where did I go wrong? And like, mm-hmm. can you show me what happened? <laughs> like, yeah. can you show me like all the instances you tried to send me something? And can you show me where? Satan blocked it or something, you know what I mean? Like, I think he would have, I think God would have a perfect appreciation for, like, my reasoning, I guess. Yeah, like, I don't want to come off as, like, prideful or conceited for Right. But, I don't know, I feel like God would be proud of me if I ended up in that spot and be like, it's bothering me that I don't know how I didn't come to that conclusion sooner. Like, Mm. Let's have a chat. <laughs> mm. It for some reason I'm getting like to bring up blind faith. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we still have to have faith in something even when we don't 100% understand it. Kind of like I can't tell you, Cody. Mm-hmm. 100%. I believe that this this is the word of God. Mm-hmm. 100%. I can't. prove that this is the word of God to you. Mm -hmm. Just like you can't 100% prove to me that God is not real. Mm -hmm. We have to step over that hurdle and not blindly believe, but have a faith that, you know, I I may not all have all the answers and God, you may not be giving me all the answers that I need, but I am going to trust you for the first time in my life. Like truly trust you. Mm -hmm. And Matt, you probably might have a better answer no, than I do, I, but I, I I do think that 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 point of um, surrendering does have a mm-hmm. there's a lot of power to that. I know for me that things 
But but I think that if I can see that something is true all the time, and then I see an anomaly, that anomaly doesn't disprove the truth of the of the thing that I understood. It it causes it should cause more research to happen. So, for instance, gravity is always true. Mm-hmm. But until we understood the law of lift, it, it, lift can make it look like gravity is not true. It's more of an anomaly, and and it should cause us to. You have to pee. No, I. I'm just a huge nerd, and I want to say some things, but I I, I want you to get your thoughts no, across before. No, no. So you go. You go. Well, yeah, like. <laughs> I love how I just thought you needed to pee. No. <laughs> That's like, my happy dance. My. Uh, Brain engagement dance. <laughs> <laughs> right. I love like, that. These kind of things that we see, uh, again, like taking gravity and seeing seeing that gravity is always true, but, but it also doesn't seem in certain things with the perceivable eye without, the, without uh, further research, it might look like it's not, uh, like, like there's anomalies to gravity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, it should that should cause us to go more to um, um, research as opposed to throwing out the idea of gravity, right? Mm-hmm. That should cause us to say, okay, I, I I don't understand why this scenario is different than this one, but I'm going to research it because the bulk of my research leads me to the conclusion that gravity is true, but for some reason there's this problem here. So in science, we would study that problem, but in Religion, for some reason, people tend to just throw out the whole thing. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. There's something I don't understand between the covers of this book. Even though the rest of it might be true, historically, archaeologically uh, accurate, even scientifically accurate in many cases, in all cases. But, uh, but I don't understand this. So a lot of times what happens is we throw out the whole thing. It's kind of like the whole throw out the baby with the bathwater mentality. The compositional fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Y'all use big words I don't understand. Okay. So <laughs> I like um, to nerd out. Too. The uh, I love lamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what I mean by the compositional fallacy is where it's like, if one component of something is true, that doesn't mean the bulk of it's true. But on the same token, if one component of something right. is false, then the whole thing the whole thing correct. doesn't necessarily need to be false. With your gravity analogy, yeah, um, where you have that. Like outlier occurrence, that anomaly that kind of goes against your current knowledge basis. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so, me being a scientist, I'm like, let's form a hypothesis, let's Correct. test it, let's use do the scientific research. method. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. yes. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. No. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think there's a part of the Bible that says you shouldn't test God. So, is there a way to reconcile, like, is there a way to test. Yeah. For God's interaction with the world, if he interacts with it. Yes. Without committing taboo. So that's <laughs> that's one of those things that has been so um, abused and people have used so horribly. Mm-hmm. Jesus, the, the, that reference is when Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And Satan brings him to a mountaintop and tells him to jump off. Says that if God's real, he'll save you. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, don't test the Lord like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Proverbs says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of man to, to dig it up. It actually talks about, and the Bible is, is, is filled with examples of people asking questions that they had a hard time with, and God's, God approving that. Mm-hmm. So no, it's, 
using that scientific method on the Bible is perfectly appropriate. Um, and saying, okay, I have this question, I have an a hypothesis, I'm going to test out the hypothesis. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. Um, I also don't think God is telling you that you should not be ever be skeptical. Yes. I think that, I'm a, two things. Um, and, and this kind of goes back to a little bit prior in our conversation, but if you understand, and, and this and, and you probably this might not be something that has always been real to you. For me, I, I see this evident everywhere, but and, and even in the Word, God is God. Sometimes we act like God is trying to get people out of heaven, <laughs> like like he's he's creating this really like mystical way to heaven. And if somehow you didn't pick up all the pieces on the way to heaven, he's like, well. Sucks to be you. you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's not at Say all. Say bye to grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's getting close to bedtime. Oh my gosh. Yes. Say bye to grandma. Oh no. Okay. Our family. Yeah. It's broken. Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to be more, oh, and more wow. like Joe Rogan. That was anything. funny. That was good. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> don't cut that part out. Yeah, well, yeah. Um so, God is not trying to get people out of heaven. In fact, he is desperately trying to get people into heaven. Mm -hmm. And um, and so, you know, to your question of, you know, how do I know he's reaching me and all the, and he should know me better than I know myself. Mm -hmm. I sincerely believe, and I've seen this evident in many people that I've either known or um, I've just... There's just some some of it comes from experience, right? Mm -hmm. So some of it I, I can't I'm not necessarily here I, I can't point chapter and verse. It's more of right. a I've and and I I tend to be an evangelist is is kind of how I approach things. So I I am the person that walks out on the street and says, hey, you know, I'd love to talk to you and have a right. conversation. Um, and I have seen God reach people on that level for them. In ways that you cannot explain, and I do believe even for you, um, there will come a point where I believe you'll you'll know it. I don't think that I, I go back to what I said before that if someone is not does not go to heaven, they have willfully chosen that, and then and that includes even some of the people that are in the in the middle of the jungle. Um, but to your point about the scientific method, the the second thing I wanted to say was. Um, I think the problem that sometimes comes up and where science and, and religion argue is because um, I, I believe science tends to operate under a faulty premise. So, And that's where, where things can go south. If you take good science and good religion and you combine them, you should they should agree. So, for instance, if... If I, if I were to convince you at a young age that 2 plus 2 is 5 and 3 plus 3 is 7 and every time you add two numbers, you add them and then you add one more number. Mm -hmm. If I convinced you of that and you lived your whole life on that, you could be the most brilliant mathematician of all time, but all of your math will not be correct because you started on a faulty premise. And that is really the point of Romans 1, of Proverbs, the entire point that they're getting to is that if you don't start on the premise that God is real, now it doesn't have to bring you to the conclusion of Jesus just yet. It doesn't have to come to anything, but if you don't start on the premise that there is 
definitively a god, then all knowledge after that will not will will fall. And in Proverbs talks about that as um, the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So anything built off of the fear of the Lord, meaning I completely understand that there is a reverential God that created things, that science is now going astray, just like the math problem. And we don't do it in anything else. I mean, if you were to if you were to go to if you were to go to Mars, and there is and we land on Mars, and there is a a house, a two-story house with, with smoke coming out of a chimney. Mm-hmm. And I can, and I tell you, that's a rock formation. <laughs> like, you would tell me I was an idiot. But you'd be like, of course there is someone who created this. They can't, that doesn't just happen. And that's the point. And, and again, Proverbs and Romans 1 really hammer home that point of, of when you look at the world and say this was an accident, science can't build off of that premise. And I think that's where science sometimes is is starting to struggle, and you're seeing it even more nowadays. I'm noticing that some of the science is really just going um, astray because they're holding to viewpoints like evolution and stuff that have really started to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think that are are becoming extremely disprovable. Um, and they're holding to that, that macro evolution, and I think it's causing a lot of problems in mm-hmm. science, in my opinion. Okay. I think science is good. Mm-hmm. love science, mm-hmm. and I'm, I... I Am a per- I personally like to study science myself, but mm-hmm. but not uh, but off the right premise. Okay, so I guess I should ask for clarification. Sure, because I don't want to. I guess address a point that you're not. Yeah, no, go ahead. Making. No, go ahead. Um, are you saying that the first premise should always be God exists, like just outright? That there has to be a creator. Yes, okay. I do believe for science to be effective. It would have to start with that premise. Now, does it have to be the, the specific creator of the Bible? I don't think that's necessarily the point the Bible's trying to make. It, it, it is the God of the Bible. Don't get me wrong. I'm not backtracking that. But I am saying that the premise has to be that there is a creator. If the premise is that all matter has always existed and that it just it blew up one day, and that's the premise of science. I mean, if I convinced you that if I if I went into a junkyard and I set a bomb off and it turned into a Lexus, you know, you'd say that there's no way that no matter how many odds you do, you can you can you can do the the you can do as many odds as you'd like, but there's there will never once be a scenario where even accidentally that could happen. So science building its premise off of it accidentally exploded and created something far more intricate than a Lexus is impossible in its own right. And, and if science is built off of that, it makes everything that comes af- out of that an impossibility. Because if, especially biology, the study of, bi- uh, you know, biology is, is, if the premise is evolution, then biology by default is going to have a really hard time to explain a lot of things. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, which I know <laughs> That's right. this opens up a can of worms, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. We're going in my specialty a little bit. You're a biology person, right? I'm a biochemist. Yes, yes. 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 Um, so now you deal with microevolution a lot, right? Uh, Pathogens and things like that. Is that what you specialize in, or is macroevolution something you specialize in? Um, well, I don't. I don't specialize as like a geneticist or like an ev- a, yeah. uh, evolutionary biologist. I just have an undergrad in, in biochemistry, so I'm like I'm, I'm familiar with the principles yeah, involved. Absolutely. Um, 
But but before we get on that topic, okay. I wanted to address the, I guess, beginning with the premise and kind of, I feel like we're assuming that premise is true to then derive and categorize what good science should be. Correct. Um, and I feel like the scientific method works the opposite of that, where mm-hmm. you take something that's observable, you evaluate it, you form a hypothesis, and then that builds the body of evidence to then form your conclusions. So a conclusion sure. should be like a after-effect instead of a pre-effect. Okay, I, I agree with you. Okay. I, I, I'll say that... That's it's a good point. You're you're valid in that. I say that, um, and and that might that, not be what you uh, intended. Yeah, yeah, I think that the scientific method should draw the pro, the the foundational principle to mm-hmm. be in existence of God. So, using the the scientific method, there should be the conclusion, if applied appropriately, that there's a that the that that um, um, that the existence of God. So, the the foundation of knowledge is is God, but the scientific method should bring you to that. So if you back up one step, the method should bring you to that conclusion. It should not bring you to evolution. In my I, I, macro evolution, I agree wholeheartedly with micro evolution, but not okay. macro. I, hmm. I guess I'm having a hard time seeing why evolution would be a problem for a God belief initially, because whenever I was, whenever I considered myself a Christian. I always thought, oh, these are the mechanisms involved for which how God creates organisms and sure. kind of does that type of thing. So that's how I reconciled it at the time. And I don't necessarily see an issue with it other than, I guess, presupposing that God is involved with that process without being able to like demonstrate it definitively. Now, coming from some... I'm going to just ask a question for my audience because... Not everybody is scientists. Oh yeah, I'm so, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna dumb it down for a little bit. When you guys are talking about evolution, also from a Christian perspective, mm-hmm. would you be saying that possibly evolution occurred in the six, seven days when God was creating Earth and before Adam and Eve arrived? Do I from a science, from a Christian perspective? Yeah. I don't personally believe that. No, I believe that. I believe that. So, so when people have many theories they regarding do. this, so. yeah, you hear the gap theory and all right. these different theories. Gap between Genesis one one and one two. Right. And mm-hmm. um, I don't believe that. Okay. Now, I have certain reasons, and and I personally, and this is me. So this is not all Christians. In fact, I would argue that that some of what I believe. I don't know if it's even the majority of Christians mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of creation. Right. I am one who believes the Bible literally. So um, I think the Bible goes out of its way to explain explain the six-day creation. Now I'm open to the concept of maybe like a time dilation type situation. That day is actually something else. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy into the... Um, into the day of a thousand years, because it says at the end of uh, the first day, it says the sun rose. It says it was day, then it was night, mm-hmm. and that was the first day. So it really goes out of its way to say right. we're talking about like, the sun goes up, the here. sun goes down. Yeah. Like it, it, and and um, I think it's one of those situations. Noah's Ark is a perfect one. Um, Christians for years had been mocked for believing in Noah's Ark. Right. Um, it was seen as an absurd thought process and and ridiculous 
Yes. Mm -hmm. And you had some Christians who tried to explain it away because they were embarrassed to believe that, what the Bible said, Mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of came up with theories that it was allegorical. And then you had other Christians who held to the conservative viewpoint of the Mm -hmm. Bible. And lo and behold, provably now we know that there at least was at some point a cataclysmic flood on the earth. Now, science would still say that it wasn't Noah's Ark, but regardless, science and Christians agree that there was a flood. And we have out we have external sources that confirm a flood during that day. Um, so, not to go into too much detail on that, but I just say that as an example, most science agrees that there was a cataclysmic flood. Um, they still argue the point biblically, but... Um, but either way, the Bible turns out to be right in that situation that there really was a flood. And so I feel like the same thing is kind of true. Um, there's a few reasons, but I mean, the six-day thing, um, believing in maybe a young, younger earth, um, there's questions that science has. I have, you know. Right. Nothing sounds, neither perspective, an old earth or a young earth, neither one sounds perfectly Right. right, you know, uh, you, you're, we're going to all have some questions either way. Right. Um, but I think the young Earth seems to be more plausible, in my opinion. Okay. Now I know that that's okay, the complete opposite. I right. promise you, of what Cody right. believes. Right. <laughs> There's no way on God's green earth that Cody believes <laughs> in a six. I've actually heard in the theory, which I'm kind of not leaning towards, but I still want to research, is that maybe we are a young Earth, but God created. The earth, since the age. Uh, since yes, yeah, since Adam came out of dust, mm-hmm. that the earth was kind of made to look like it's billions of years old. Correct. But, you know, I could be. I've heard that too. That age was built in. I think one of the big foundational would, things, and this is the one that, uh, and I'll sorry, just, no, the, this is the I'll forget this point if I. <laughs> uh, this is one of the the reasons that gives me a pause to at least say okay, I'm open to other perspectives on the on the Earth age, but. I lean towards the sixth day, and, the, and one of the things that really causes me is that when they did the lunar ma- landing, um, one of the things that, that they ran into was they expected, uh, they expected there to be a significant amount of dust on the Earth. They were actually concerned about landing on the moon because the, uh, the solar erosion... Mm. Which would which turns the moon to a certain amount of dust over so much so many um, years every year uh, there's a certain amount of a fraction of an inch through solar erosion on the moon um, that they would that they were like if this is millions of years old we might go through this um, they're billions oh. of years old well they didn't they landed on what would have been expected at a six thousand at a young Earth the moon was was the amount of dust. And the solar erosion lines up with that. Okay. Now, are there other explanations? Possibly, you know. But, but I tend to. My background is to. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there probably to is, you know. He's a fifth grader. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. I'm, <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. I. So you're saying the method they used to date the moon was like the measurement of the dust layer. Right? Or they, were there additional methods to They that? were worried about the dust layer because of what mm-hmm. they assumed the age of the moon was going to be, based okay. off of when they assumed that the or the moon entered the orbit of the Earth. All that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, if the Earth was as old and the moon was as old as they were anticipating, then there should have been a certain layer of dust. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as, lo- as it wasn't as deep as they would have scientifically expected. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. They're using 
like current known phenomenon, like rates of deposition of dust to direct light. Um, Okay, I. And that's just one as an example. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I would have to evaluate each claim like individually and like look at the Mm -hmm. evidence and. Mm Do my thing, basically. Do all my research. Um, And that could be crazy on that point, okay? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying... So you are crazy. I'm not saying crazy or anything. Okay. Um, But uh, evolution, if you... I mean, I still don't agree with evolution. Yeah, we can can talk about evolution. Um, I still like you, though. So I heard you, like, delineate between macro and microevolution. Yeah. Like, could you, I guess... Expound on it. Yeah, yeah. So, microevolution, to me, deals with pathogens, bacteria, germs, things like that. Mm -hmm. Macroevolution would be at a uh, species level. Okay. Changing, specifically changing from one species to another species. So, Mm -hmm. fish to human, going from cold-blooded to warm-blooded, those kind of situations. Okay. That, to me, uh, that's what I classify as macroevolution. Okay. Um, what what do you define evolution as, like in general? I guess the transition from one thing to another thing. Specifically, I think the big problem. I think everyone can agree that within a species, there's there's situations. You know, there's or there's adaptation in some way, right? Different breedings of dogs will produce different types of dogs, mm-hmm. but breeding a dog won't turn into a cat, right? The two dogs won't make a cat, mm-hmm. but what my problem with in, in science is, is that a lot of times the, the uh, cop-out, uh, and I say, I'm not trying to, I hope that doesn't come off as insulting. No, no, I'm not no, trying to be insulting. No, you're I, fine. But the cop-out answer usually is over the course of millions of years. And whenever science says that, I usually assume they don't know what, they, what the answer is. <laughs> so yeah. that, that's kind of the, you know, how come we don't see things evolving in today's world? Well, it happens over the course of millions of years through small, mm-hmm. minute changes, right? Yeah. And one of the big hiccups that I find in evolution um, is the one of the premises of evolution is that uh, kind of survival of the fittest, that the mm-hmm. stronger species will survive. Um, and for some reason, evolution seems to make an exception for the human race because, you know, one of the things that we talk about is that uh, science will say that primitive man developed weapons and their their logic and reasoning developed as a defense mechanism because um, uh, because of predators and because they were concerned. So that's why you get the civilizations, that's why you get weapons, that's why you get this logic and reasoning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we take that process and we think that through, why there are prey and there are predators. Mm-hmm. So evolution should not favor one species over another species. Why transfer a species from prey to predator? Uh, why favor them in an evolutionary sense? Why not give, uh, why not give mosquitoes <laughs> brilliance uh, because they're prey to a lot of to, to everything else? For some reason, evolution picks humans and says because you're prey, you need to develop this so that you're no longer prey. But that defies the logic of survival of the fittest. Does that make sense? I... I think so. <laughs> no, no, you're fine, you're fine. But there's going to be a disagreement somewhere. Sure, and <laughs> yes. that's okay. Yes. That's okay. Yes. yes. I, I think it's... I think our disagreements are just going to come to our understanding of what evolution is. 
Um, Wait, how do and, you define evolution? Um, okay, so to avoid like a conflation of terms, there's like a specific biological definition. Yeah. And there's like a colloquial definition that's like, oh, just general change over time. Yeah. And that can apply to anything outside of biological systems. You know right. what I mean? Um, but in bi- biology specifically, it's like the change in allele frequency over time. Okay. Yeah. So that implies genetics and everything yeah. with like gene expressions and all that. Gotcha. Um, so from that, you can take organisms that have an established population. Like whenever you have a child, yeah. they're not a clone of you, right? Correct. There's a little bit of genetic difference. Absolutely. And those genetic differences will change like the person's morphology slightly. Like they'll right. look a little bit different. Um, you could have situations where there are genetic disorders, um, like trisomy 18, trisomy 21, where information gets duplicated and that causes different issues within a, a human's pathology. So you get like Down syndrome, you get mm-hmm. yeah. um, different sexual disorders, that type of thing. Yep. Um, and that kind of change in genetic information that leads to those morphological change is a mechanism that can drive evolution, but it's not like the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, you also got to take into consider the environment. Um, and your definition of fittest is... I, I, I would expound on it. I would say that it's dependent on... Like, the term fitness would be the ability to reproduce. So if something favors your ability to success, successfully pass on your genes, that would be fit kind of thing. Right. And any mechanism that kind of blocks that reproduction would be a selection pressure. Mm -hmm. So with, with humanity specifically, we've, I don't want to say developed, but we can get into that conversation. Sure. No, go Um, ahead. You can use the terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We developed mechanisms to kind of subvert certain selection pressures. That would be like the creation of tools, making it more efficient to gather resources. The, uh, those resources being used to build shelters to kind of shield us from the environment, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Where all those selection pressures of different environmental changes are kind of negated now. So when we talk about like evolution and humanity, we're circumventing a lot of processes that would normally drive it. Um, so whenever you have somebody with a genetic disorder, they can still pass on their genes because there's no selection pressure against it technically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just, I guess, like an overview of how genetics plays into those morphological changes. And I think you're right. Like, you would have to imply a long, successive amount yeah. of accumulated changes for speciation to occur. Sure. And... I mean, the field of evolution, evolutionary biology is still in progression. Mm -hmm. We're still understanding things that it's, instead of like a strict tree with defined branches that they're more interwoven Mm -hmm. than we previously thought. It's more like a giant bush of life (laughs) instead of a tree of life. Um, But yeah, there's, I mean, there's certain claims that people might make about evolution like, if a scientist makes a claim that, oh, 
we should expect fishes changing into mammals or that type of stuff. Um, I think they would have a burden of like having to demonstrate that. Because my understanding is once you start with abiogenesis, like the event that created the first like thing that we would consider alive. Yeah. And that is can reproduce. That once those populations get separate, different environmental pressures are gonna act on both depending on where they're at, what they're encountering, those types of things. Mm-hmm. So the fit in that situation would be fit to those specific sets of circumstances. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. In which as they reproduce, certain genetic things get selected for that make it easier for them to propagate in that environment. And then the population expands over more diverse circumstances. Mm-hmm. So you get eventually more, like I guess, different traits in different population groups. So you believe that environmental pressure is the driving force to evolution, correct? It's it's the selection mechanism, I would say. Like That's what people te- typically mean by natural selection. Like, I think the textbook example is like, oh, you have a beetle that can express, like, different shades of color. Like, it can be really black, it can be gray, and it mm-hmm. can be white. Mm-hmm. The beetle that's in the Arctic is going to survive more easily and going to be able to pass off <laughs> those white genes, like, the genes that determine that type of color. Mm-hmm. The bug that's black is going to survive more in caves to where they blend in with their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and as those... Like, they could have originated from the same beetle, and those genetic differences that kind of make that variation in color differences will be selected for based on their environment. And then as time progresses, other things can be selected for. And there's also, like, mutations of things that can be neutral to where it can, like, continue through a population that's not necessarily selected against, but doesn't provide, like, any pragmatic use type of thing. Can I ask something? Yeah. Would you? So you consider yourself someone that one hundred percent believes in evolution? Well, it <laughs> that the process. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. the, the yeah, cause, yeah. but the process. So I, I believe that the mechanisms are easily d- demonstrable, and that certain abstractions and conclusions that you reach need to be backed up with experimental evidence and that type of thing. Because you can't just say, oh, this beetle developed a horn for this obscure reason without demonstrating your case. You know what I mean? So being <coughs> that angle of it, mm-hmm. what what do you believe in creation? I guess like the, the first, like what, what created the first cell or whatever it was? That... Okay, that's a very interesting uh, point. So that would, it's simply referred to as abiogenesis, which is like the beginning of life. Yeah. <clears throat> The Sorry pe- if you already answered this. Did you already answer this? I don't think so. Oh, okay. But just kind of explain. I just remember like, you saying that word. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you could... I love lamp. Yeah. <laughs> you could posit that God created, like, the first life. Okay. Um, and I think science, we're still, like, currently investigating, like, the mechanisms behind how abiogenesis could have occurred, and we still... Like, the honest answer is we don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and, I, and without the evidence to support a specific hypothesis, we're not justified in, like, throwing answers out there. Right. So I think it's important to, like, 
come at it with that understanding. Mm -hmm. But I think there have been experiments done that provide, I guess, plausibility mm -hmm. to it occurring natural, naturally mm -hmm. through a naturalistic means instead of a supernatural means. Okay. Are you familiar with the Miller-Urey experiment? No. Okay. No. Okay. Yes. So. <laughs> I, I, oh, I, yeah. My audience Miller. would be like, she's lying. I love Miller. <laughs> I have... I, I have, I guess, a mediary understanding of it. Um, so, in essence, Miller and Urey tried to replicate the early conditions of the Earth and to provide like different power sources to that environment to see what kind of chemical changes would occur. And whether they accurately got the early conditions of the Earth right, I, I don't know. I'd have to investigate that a little bit further. But... If that is the case, they were able to produce amino acids, which are like the building blocks to proteins. Mm. So the hypothesis or the extrapolation there is that the conditions of Earth could facilitate geochemistry converting into biochemistry. Right. Um, I don't think there's anything to demonstrate that like those conditions... Geochemistry conditions were met in real life, right? Well, that and that... Like a self-replicating self molecule could have emerged. Okay. Like I don't think we're at that point yet. So, someone that is like yourself, that is super analytical about things and really wants to get behind the science of things. Do you ever have those moments when you think about, okay, if God really is real and He really is the author of my life and the author of this world, don't you sometimes kind of think like, man, it's kind of cool that He created a way that a man and a woman can create something and mm -hmm. he can impregnate her and she can form a baby inside of her. Mm -hmm. and Or even just like the beauty of a snowflake or the beauty of a sunset. For me personally, even if I didn't believe, it, I think I would struggle with the concept of, okay, if something created us and it wasn't just a... Big Bang or whatever mm -hmm. that happened, man. He's really he's a really good artist. <laughs> Does that make any sense? I yeah. I, Instead I of thinking really smart, Cody, I want you to think really <laughs> dumb like me. <laughs> No, no, no. Make, make, make it a Touch into your, uh, instead step into of your the, right brain side. Instead of the microscope, instead of the microscope, my, see, I can't even say stuff. Instead of the microscope, mm -hmm. do you ever maybe take a step back and just see the big picture of it? Yeah, I can, like, I can appreciate, like, the things that exist currently yeah. and that we can observe and all the cool stuff that wants me to probe deeper and investigate. Right. Why those things are like that. Right. Um, I guess, like, the extension of assuming a god is behind it. Mm -hmm. Like, if we investigate further, like, that investigation is probably going to be what determines if God was behind it or not. Okay. So I'm like, like, heck yeah, let's investigate. Let's, let's go dig. <laughs> mm -hmm. I guess, like, for me, if I, if I didn't believe in God, it would... I don't know, I guess I, I can't really grasp the concept of, like, Wow, science really just got lucky and the world is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if we all started just from a cell and it just developed over billions of years and this is where we are now, I'm just kind of like, wow, that cell did a good job mm -hmm. of, of creating this amazing way of 
reproducing humans and animals and just the beauty of um, connect, human connection mm-hmm. and the beauty of the fact that, I don't know, I always kind of think of this concept that isn't it kind of cool how everybody doesn't look the same? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that... Ooh. Ooh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> There's a website where like people find people that look exactly Doppelgangers? Like yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure there is, is someone out there that looks like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have... A little bit of a difference. Oh, yeah. You know? We may not be identical unless we are identical twins, and I didn't know I had an identical twin. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Someone uh, cloned you right. your permission. <laughs> right. Like, those are, those are things that fascinate me, that God is so divine and, and so intricate that we are all different. Yeah. That our faces are all, like... You know, just like you said, the doppelganger thing, Mm -hmm. we still don't look exactly the same. Like, I will never find someone that looks exactly like you. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I brought up the snowflake thing. Have you ever studied, like, I'm sure you did in your science-y stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Like, basic biology class, you know, about the, just the beautiful, intricate parts of the snowflake and that they're all different. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that anything... But God, and this is just my opinion, of course, that mm-hmm. anything but God could create something so beautiful like that. Mm-hmm. But that's just me, Cody. No, you're, you're perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you seem, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem maybe more op- open to the idea of a creator as opposed to uh, definitive no, but maybe the method is is maybe where the, you know, what method of creation, is is that right, that you're maybe open to the idea of that, or? I mean, yeah, I'm open to the idea of it. I'm open to the idea of almost anything, <laughs> as yeah. long as there's, like, sufficient evidence to, yeah, I guess, that's fair. reach that, like, place. I would say that kind of the idea of, like, just a creator in general, like a non-specific God type thing, mm-hmm. is, like, the first step, I think. And then once that's established, right. it's like, okay, what... Which God? Yeah, yeah which yeah. God one. is it? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the obvious road that you'd, you'd want to walk on. And, mm-hmm. and, each, and, and honestly, that's kind of the... For me personally, that was the, that was the questions I had, and that was the road I kind of walked on as well, mm-hmm. is... Uh, I, I, and I think all atheists, you know, I, I think we use the term atheist very loosely in our world and really I think that the term is probably more like agnostic uh, where it's kind of this like I'm open to the idea of a creator almost a deist viewpoint mm-hmm. in a sense I'm at least for me when I was when when I would have called myself an atheist I was open to pretty much any concept mm-hmm. but you I had to get to that to definitive me. yeah it kind of came mm-hmm. where I'm like there's got to be something more because it, certain things just don't make sense right I mean, when you look at when you look at nature, you see nature interact in a certain way, and you see humans interact in a completely different way, right? Yeah. I mean, humans humans are the only creature that will, um, in a sense, sacrifice themselves for another for something that maybe is is arbitrary. Like like animals might fight and defend themselves or defend their young for for the sake of, of their species. But if I were to, 
This sounds kind of dumb, I guess. I don't know if I have a good example. <laughs> I'm starting to get weary here. Um, but if I were to... tired. Yeah. Like, if I were to drop something, if I were to drop my water bottle over on your side, you'd pick it up and you'd hand it to me. But why? Like, why would you hand that water bottle to me? It doesn't give you any benefit. Why go... Why And, and it actually puts you out. What's the benefit to the species by you doing that? Like, those kind of things. And that's one very, very, probably lame answer. But yeah, but there's sense. a lot of those where it's like, why? Why do we even do that? Why even think like that? Um, no other animal in the world thinks like that. Like, why is altruism beneficial yeah, in like, that sense? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Like, I don't understand why we, why we would even, why that would be built into our evolutionary makeup. Mm-hmm. And so there's certain things that for me, I had so many questions. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something off in the, in the understanding here. Mm-hmm. And isn't it kind of cool how, that's cool to me, that we all, no matter what we have done in our lives, no matter where we are, uh, what we think, what we believe, we all have a longing for something. Yeah. Like deep within us, it's, it's whether we want to find love or mm-hmm. we want to be successful or we want to um Make find the truth mm-hmm. it, we all it's it's like we all have this design within us almost like someone created us to long for to be with god i think ultimately our desire deep down is to be at peace and to be with god mm-hmm. and unfortunately there's sin in this world and there's evil in this world. Instead of people replacing that longing with God, we replace it with things that we think are going to fix us, and they're only temporary fixes like mm-hmm. alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, uh, sex, uh, marriage. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, or like being obsessed with sex, yeah. food. I, I'm I'm a food addict. I love to eat. I love to overeat, love to and too. which is gluttony. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I which I believe that gluttony is just as much as a sin as stealing, yeah. as murder, as homosexuality, as anything yeah. of that sort. So I never put myself above anyone else sin-wise mm-hmm. because I am no better than anybody else that, That's right. that sins. So I just find, I, I don't know, the concept of humans always longing for something to fill them, but... We always fill ourselves with the wrong things. And we can justifiably say, justifiably say that drugs lead to Destructive um, destructiveness. Exactly. Yeah. Alcohol leads to this. Everything, even, and it may not even be something like drugs or alcohol. It could be something like power. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at our political world. Sure, I mean, exactly. All of our leaders are so just a bunch of narcissistic behavior <laughs> because they have that power. And I think that's why we'll never have a president that's actually, like, decent. (laughs) (laughs) Because because they are so embedded with power. And and I'm not blaming them for that because, to be honest, when you... If I were president or if I was in some type of power, it would be very hard for me to not let that get to my head. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think that is just destructive. And greed and money and all of that comes into play, too. But I think 
that is what would always sell me. I've done, there's a few things that I've brought up that would sell me as a, <laughs> to believe, as a believer, but yeah. the longing desire of something and us not, and us filling it with all of these destructive things. Mm-hmm. My yeah. heart just popped. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. There's a void. I think everyone feels that and they don't know what, you're right, they don't know what to fill it with. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think everyone feels that and there's just something and, and you can't explain that feeling. Mm-hmm. And and for you, you, you know, for, for people who have been Christians their whole life, they may have never felt the the depth of that as far as you you know because when you when you get to that point where you really you're like you know I, I would imagine oh, and yeah this, I mean I lived a long time as a Christian yeah without there's being that a Christian sure exactly yeah. I, I think for me I, I would picture it and and I don't know I'm, I'm I could be totally wrong here I just hear I I heard someone once that was a Christian and walked away. And they decided they didn't want to. And they said it, they actually likened it to it. They felt like they lost a friend. <laughs> like they said mm-hmm. that they, someone that they had felt like they were connected to and known for years. They, they said that was the sensation they had, that yeah. they felt like they were losing a friend in a sense. And that's a tough feeling. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, and we all have to, we all have to come to that, to our own conclusions on these things, you know, mm-hmm. but I know for me that was that was my story. That's how I came to that. You know, right? It's nine oh five. So okay. if there's anything you guys want to like wrap up on, and then no, I mean I I loved it, and I yeah I, do I too. love these conversations, and they're very and, important. I think yeah, and hopefully nothing I said came off as like being a jerk. Yeah, me too. Uh, I hope nothing. Like, like, yeah. like my I, our inten- my intention. Uh, I can't speak for him, and I, I know that his is the same, but yeah. um, that. Our, my intention is to never insult anybody that doesn't believe the so, same oh, way yeah. as me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what has pushed so many people away mm-hmm. from the faith mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they are able to ask questions. And then when they do, they're like, these people won't even listen to me. Correct. Why, mm-hmm. why would I, why would I stay with these people when they just think that I'm an idiot or exactly. that now that I don't believe in God, I'm worshiping Satan and I wear a cloak. <laughs> So it, yeah. And, and ultimately that's just with culture and environmental stuff that over time, you know, especially in the South, we just have grown into that concept of what I think is right and what you sure, think is wrong. It's culture. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, one of the, one of my favorite parts in the Bible was, it was in the book of Acts where, where Paul He's having a hard time with the Jews because he's he's there they're all mm-hmm. fighting and so he he goes to um, to minister to the Greeks mm-hmm. and I love this part because he he goes to minister to the Greeks and it's his first time ministering to the to the Gentile mm-hmm. world and uh, he's he comes from Judaism he's ministered to the Jews and now he's ministering to the Greeks now he he's goes, literally going out into the fire he's going out to <laughs> yeah and right. and you know you would think. Okay, he's going there. He's gonna like you guys are are horrible for what you believe or blah blah blah. No, right. what, you know what Paul does? He goes to the temple of the gods that they're worshiping, and he he never he says I I can tell you study I can tell you learn. He said and he brings up there's one god that they have that they said is the unknown god, and they and he says I'm here to talk to you about that one. 
and he he doesn't he doesn't insult them for mm-hmm. the, for what they believe. He doesn't insult them for having questions. In fact, they ask a lot of questions. But he he says, "Listen, this is this is where you are. I I applaud you for where you are, and I'm going to talk to you from that angle." And it's like. I think Christians would probably get better results if maybe instead of yeah. insulting people for having questions, we said, mm. okay, let's talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe there's some things, you know, maybe there's some things that, that we can come to an agreement on or understanding on at least. At least it's civil. And I love that, Cody. I mean, I, I listened to the last message too, uh, or the last podcast, and, mm-hmm. and I just, I love your demeanor on it, really. Mm-hmm. Like, like the fact that you get on there and you have this very open conversation and you, you listen and you're not yeah. angry. Like, I just love it. I, I You're someone who I'm like, man, I'd sit down with this guy and go have <laughs> coffee. Like, this guy's cool. Like, I like him. Yeah. And so I just love that. I thought I just, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very important to, like, leave your assumptions about somebody at the door and just meet them where they're at. Agreed. You can come into a conversation like oh they're an atheist so they must believe a b and c yeah but you don't know that until you ask them what they no, believe you don't. <laughs> nope you leave it right next to the yep. cloak you brought in right and the pitchfork and the pitchfork yeah he left that outside <laughs> same thing with anybody of any faith system yeah like you can't bring assumptions into it that's right you gotta ask what they think and why they think it and go from there when we're all people you know, at the end of the day, we're all people. Like, like everyone has their own perspective, and we got to be able to talk like that. That goes with everything, politically, religiously, all of it. Like, right. Gosh, but people need to stop we, fighting. We got, that, and that, that's exactly what I was going to say, was that it... We can't heal division with division. <laughs> exactly. We have to learn how to have conversations with people without bringing our pride into it exactly because we're never going to get anywhere if we keep adding division to the division Mm -hmm. like i just said i mean and this goes for anything like covid anti-vax uh pro-vaccine mask i don't care Mm -hmm. christian or not christian yeah uh it Nothing is ever going to get solved if we don't sit down and talk to each other about it. That's why, like, pre before we started recording, we were talking about Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that that's kind of what I, why I wanted to bring him up right now is because I think the reason that he gets so much flack is, is because he's not trying to divide anyone. He just wants to listen mm-hmm. and he wants to ask questions. And mm-hmm. Matt and I may not believe everything that Joe Rogan believes, but, um, or Cody either. I'm sorry. I left you out of that. Um, <laughs> but I still think Joe Rogan is still a human. Yeah. And he's still a good human mm-hmm. and he, he does some really great things and he has some really good talks. And I just don't think that we're going to get anywhere unless we remove our pride Mm-hmm. And actually listen to people. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be honest, if you're a Christian and you're not uh, open and loving to people that don't believe the same thing as you, you need to open your Bible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because Look at Jesus. yes, you need to read the Gospels. Yeah. And um, because that is literally what this book is all about. Is all these books are mm-hmm. all about is about loving one another. Our our number one commandment is to love God and love people. Yeah. And if we don't, we, I just had something come up yesterday. I don't know if uh, you saw my post. Uh, 
there was a pastor that brought up a few weeks ago in a sermon, uh, rebuked the uh, Let's Go Brandon thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then a few weeks later, this lady was like, hey, that, that was really brave of you to say that. And he was like, why does that even have to be a thing that I'm being brave about? Mm-hmm. It's to, to teach Christ, Christians not to, to say that. that F, drop, that drop the F right. on somebody. Exactly. And then I had some comments on there that were like, well... You know, that goes the same for people that say F Trump. Yeah, it, it does go the same way. But this is what that pastor was saying, was saying that we don't say F Trump's anybody. Don't make it right. Right, exactly. right. But it's always, it's always division because then, then, the, then people that, you know, are on one side of the political field have to go in there and be like, well, what about me? Yeah. It's all about pride. It creates defensiveness. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, someone actually commented and said... You know, named off all the bad things that Biden has done in office and said, and I'm supposed to love this guy. I know. And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah, we are. We're yeah. supposed to love this guy. God loves him. Right. And it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. But yeah, we, we do. This is what we were called to do. We're called to love one another, mm-hmm. even if we don't agree with each other, even if you're making some bad choices. I still love you. Absolutely. And um, I think that we are also supposed to pray for our people in office and our presidents, even if we, if we don't 100%. agree with them. And uh, That's right. If y'all really knew my political stance, you would uh, truly understand. Like I, I, I'm, I'm the same, on bo- same way on both fields. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a Trump fan either. So I just think that if you're a Christian, then you're listening and you're not open to talk to people about and answer questions or ask or ask questions to somebody and you're not open about it mm-hmm. you're not living a Christ-like life you're just saying you're a Christian to say you're a Christian it's not a name tag it's a you know yeah. it's a way of living so That's right. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Is there that's anything good. else that you guys want to say? <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. Cody, are you okay? Cody yeah, looks I'm really good. tired. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was there anything you want to say? Uh are you enjoying these? Yeah, these are great. Okay. I love them. Yeah, uh, the Cody show. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Nah, it's your show. Let's, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know it's my show, but like, it's your, I, I, I honestly, I, I'm going to start just doing a Cody segment because I That's like. That's good. Yeah. Um, and you know, and if there's any other people that, any other atheists that want to come on and talk to people, that's fine as long as they're respectful like yeah. Cody is, then that's all I really care about. But People really like Cody. I've got a lot of I like got I a lot know. of I got a lot of good feedback from your awesome. show. Yeah, awesome. Uh, a lot of people that wanted to hear your opinions on certain things, and which I didn't bring to the table, but um, we'll do that next time. Cool. Uh, celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get any feedback from it? Did you hear from any like your friends uh, or anything? Just. From I think you sent me like a Google Doc of like yeah, a certain yeah. thing that like somebody's like wanted yeah. information uh-huh. or my opinion on. Yeah, I need to dig through and like revisit it because it's been a while. I didn't either, but I'll bring it up on the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I I love to answer people's questions if they have any and yeah, just yeah, and I'd love to come back. Yeah. <laughs> did you like re-listening to the episode? Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Did yeah. Lindsay listen? Yeah, my whole family listened. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and and, and um, I actually have. Uh, talk to your mom throughout some of them and um because i 
I had to ask her a question uh, yesterday mm-hmm. about you for something that you'll find out a little later. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's so cool that, that your family is supportive and listens to you. So. Oh, yeah. Don't you hate listening to yourself talk? It's, I think I sound weird. I do. I yeah. think I sound weird, I think too. I sound weird, too. When I hear myself, <laughs> surely I don't sound that nasally. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes to hear themselves talk. Yeah. No. Anytime I have a guest on, they're like... Do I really sound like that? (laughs) (laughs) But all right, well, thanks guys for coming on, and now we can go home and go to bed. So perfect. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Cody. Bye. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Picturing Purpose Podcast. Find us on Anchor as well as every major streaming service. If you are excited for this journey and want to see this podcast thrive, there are many ways you can help. The most simple thing you can do is by leaving a five-star review on your streaming service of choice. Reviews help podcasts so much. Another easy thing, anytime you see a post from the Picturing Purpose Podcast social media pages, please comment, like, and share. This generates a bigger audience and brings more listeners. You never know, one of your friends may need to hear an encouraging word. I need daily motivation myself. Last, but definitely not least, if you want to see this podcast fulfill its purpose, your donations are incredibly appreciated. Keeping the podcast up and running is an extra cost I have taken on and will continue to do as needed. I know that God will always provide because this podcast is His. Not only will donations go to the making of the podcast, but Picturing Purpose will be blessing a portion of its monthly earnings to people in need. Whatever God puts on my heart is where the money will go. There is no donation too small, and you can also set up reoccurring payments. Even $5 a month would be super helpful. If you are unable to donate, your prayers are powerful. Please pray for this podcast and that it continues to serve its purpose and spread the love of Christ. Our hope is that Picturing Purpose is an encouragement to anyone that needs it and that we create strong, confident, and motivated disciples. Thank you for your support.